It is week two of Big Sky Conference football, and boy, does it feel good to have football back in our lives. This is Big Sky Big Takes, your around-the-horn style podcast on all things Big Sky Conference football. Big Sky Big Takes is produced by the Montana Mint and syndicated throughout the Big Sky Podcast Network. Twelve Big Sky schools were in action last week. Eight of them lost, four of them won, and Idaho State enjoyed a well-earned bye week. Joining me on this week's panel from the Eagles Power Hour, our favorite Eastern Washington fan, Kyler Neal, from the Grizz Fan Podcast, Luke Alford, from the NAU and Big Sky Sports Podcast, Casey Everett, and the man I talk to more than most of my members of my family, my arch nemesis, and my co-host on the Montana Mint Sports Pod, representing the Montana State Bobcats, Hot Take Nate. Producer Jerry just poured himself an IPA and will be keeping track of everyone's score. Let's get this started. Question one uh, around the league. The top three Big Sky teams all played an FBS game and lost this past weekend. Eastern Washington lost 14 to 47 against Washington. Weber State lost 0 to 6, San Diego State, and UC Davis fell to Cal 27 to 13. Is there anything that we can take away uh, from these top tier Big Sky teams losing these games? Kyler, let's start with you. Yeah, absolutely not. These big sky teams were supposed to lose. And when you analyze each team and who they played, the scores actually got closer due to the drop down in competition versus these FBS teams. A ranked UW team shouldn't be viewed as the same as a non-ranked Pac-12 team. Um, and the Pac-12 non-ranked team shouldn't be viewed as the same as a mid-level you know, Mountain West team. We still actually have no clue what to expect from any of these big sky teams. And unfortunately, due to their, you know, um, schedules moving forward, we really won't have an idea until about week three when they all have real competition. That's a good point. Luke, what do you think? I think the only thing I could really glean from last week was that everyone knows UC, UC Davis is good, but I think they're even better than we believe. Cal hasn't been a great overall team, but their strength has been their defense. Um, and how did UC Davis perform? Um, well, their primary running backs, uh, Gilliam and Thomas, Gilliam and Thomas, they combine for over 100 yards on the ground. And I think if UC Davis can do that against Cal, and they can, then they can probably provide a steady running presence throughout the year against anyone they'll face in the Big Sky Conference. So pairing that with Jake Meyer, who we know is awesome, I think they're going to be nastier than we believe. Casey, what do you think we can take away from these three games? Well, especially with the Weber State and San Diego State. You know, it was such a close game. You can definitely tell that we that Weber's defense is good, as usual, but it also left a lot of questions on the, on the offense. UC Davis looked like they could have pulled the upset, but, of course, Cal pulled away like expected uh, for a normal FBS school. Again, it's week one. So there's still a lot of questions that need that needs to be answered. Yeah, I think that's right. I think uh, Weber, you know, Weber's defense was absolutely a standout from this week. But is their offense that bad? Hot take, Nate. Is there anything that you think we should be taking away from these three games? Well, I, I noticed that whoever wrote these questions left out the you know, the Montana State Texas Tech game. Uh, they only they stopped at three teams, which you know it's all right. We it's, top it's tier. Fun. Yep, top tier. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did. Okay. Um, so I think the only thing I took away was that Weber's defense is probably going to be pretty good. Six zero. I mean, that's a 
it's an interesting scoreline, and it looked like it was probably the most boring game out of uh, basically any game in the college slate last week. But uh, you had to take out of it. They only allowed six points to San Diego State. That offense still seems to be struggling. Um, and if I was going to look at one that I thought was pretty interesting, it could be kind of a, a look forward to be Weber State's defense looks uh, pretty good. But besides that, nothing really to take home. And uh, looking forward to everybody playing FCS opponents when they get around to it. Yeah, man, that it was a boring game. I watched the fourth quarter, and at the end of it, San Diego State was celebrating like they had just won a bowl game. Not a great look. Kyler, when one of these uh, FBS schools knocks off a FCS school, should they be celebrating, even if it's a close game? <laughs> no. Um, you're supposed to win. If you're an FBS school, you have, what, 20-something more scholarships? You yep. are supposed to win. Um, yeah, if you're celebrating, that just shows you don't have a lot of faith in your program as an FBS team. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. One team that looked really good this week uh, is is Cal Poly. They rolled over San Diego, 52-34. And also a surprise from the weekend, Portland State, who many of us had kind of in a bottom tier of the Big Sky Conference, hung super tough against uh, Arkansas from the SEC, losing just by a touchdown, 20-13. to these teams, you know, Cal Poly was kind of a fringe middle tier team. Uh, Portland State, I think, was firmly bottom tier. After seeing these games, are you worried about either team taking up one of the Big Sky Conference's playoff spots from one of your teams? Casey, let's start with you. Are you worried about Cal Poly taking NAU's playoff spot? No, <laughs> I'm not. Um the, the easiest question, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of also go with Portland State as well. Um, Big Sky and SEC, and SEC are completely different. Um, yes, SEC is huge. Arkansas has been the bottom-tier team of the SEC for years. However, it does show that Portland State has done a better job at recruiting uh, however, you know, we could um, see a, a better chance at Portland State, but I don't think that this is going to be their, their year yet. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Nate, what what do you think about these two teams that had better than uh, expected showing this weekend? They were better than expected showings, but I'm really not that impressed. Cal Poly beat a non-scholarship school from the Pioneer Conference. San Diego is always pretty weak. Uh, they make the playoffs every year just because they're in such a – crappy conference so you know i don't see that one as being as impressive portland state hanging with arkansas um was pretty impressive actually arkansas is a two-win team in 2018 so it's it's not like they went up against anybody um from the top the upper echelon of the sec by any means and i don't believe in portland state at all you know last year they beat up on college of idaho and then kind of the bottom tier teams in the big sky with their wins over montana northern colorado and sac state so i don't see that big of a jump where they can uh, make the playoffs this year nor cal poly um, you know, it's, it'd be fun to see those teams kind of in the bottom tier be a little more competitive, but I don't think anybody has to worry about Cal Poly or Portland State making the playoffs this year. Yeah, very dismissive of Arkansas, who is an SEC school top 90 sagger. I mean, not great, but I mean, around the likes of a B, uh, BYU or a Louisville. Uh, Luke, are we overreacting and saying that, you know, one of these teams could potentially do some damage in the Big Sky Conference? I mean, saying Arkansas is like these other SEC teams we know about is sort of like pretending Danny DeVito was Arnold Schwarzenegger's brother and twins. <laughs> um, I, I just don't see it. 
Of the two teams, I think Cal Poly has the biggest threat to pull off a random upset of maybe one of our teams just because they run this non-conventional style. And if you happen to lose the turnover battle, which the Toreros did, which I think is just Spanish for flamboyant daredevil, um, then a team like Cal Poly can, can seal up a lot of play clock, they can grind up a lot of yards, and then kind of like put you on your heels. So Cal Poly, definitely the more dangerous teams, in my opinion. More dangerous to the two teams, but ultimately not. They're pretenders still. Yeah, and I think we'll know a lot more about them. They play Weber State this weekend. Uh, so that, that'll definitely be a test for Cal Poly. A couple other interesting games from this week. Uh, you know, great wins for the Big Sky Conference. Northern, Northern Arizona winning 37-23 against Missouri State. And the Grizz knocking off South Dakota, 31-17. Which team impressed you the most? Luke, we'll go back to you. Um, I suppose we'll probably have a definitive answer in mid-October when South Dakota and Missouri State play one another. But, um, you know, while we don't actually have truth, the future isn't really unknowable. South Dakota... um, is a better team than Missouri State. Missouri State is an absolute turd. They were picked last by the coaches, the media, the fans. They're sort of the hot take nativist podcast a little bit. <laughs> Outside of Gallatin and Missoula counties, there isn't a consensus on who's better, NAU or UM. But South Dakota is legitimately a better team than uh, Missouri State. They've had some more legit wins on their resume recently. They beat Western Illinois last year. UM, they got hosed by the refs 26-23 in a loss against MSU on the road. So um, I think that they're a legitimate Missouri Valley team, whereas Missouri State is a is kind of a nobody. Yeah, and Kyler, you're the only uh, neutral observer here. Uh, which, uh, you know, look in Big Sky Conference as a whole, which of these wins and which of these teams uh, is more impressive? Yeah, so... Um... This neutral guy is going to sound like he drank a lot of haterade this morning because neither team really impressed me more than the other. And then you played a team that's supposed to be like, you know, Luke said, one of the bottom teams in the Valley, if not the bottom. And Montana played a team who's still projected to have, you know, right around a 500 to under 500 record. So I called these games pretty easily and they played out how it should have. A middle tier to upper tier big sky team should be the lower tier team in any conference, even if it is the Missouri Valley. But since you asked which one, you know, which one takes the edge? I guess Montana, only because it's on the road. But neither are overwhelming, and both teams won like they should have. All right, get some quick uh, takes here. Nate, I'm sure we know your answer, but give it to us. Well, you do. Uh, you know me well. Uh, you know, Kyler said it best. I'm glad he went after Luke so Luke couldn't come back and try and edit what he was about to say because Kyler just owned him there. Yeah, the Grizz knocked off South Dakota, like he said, a – 500 below 500 team Missouri State's not amazing but you know what before KC says it I'm just bad bad I'm just glad Case Cookus is back he's my favorite non-Montana State player in the big sky he looked healthy that cannon's back looked good out there I'm uh, I'm gonna say Northern Arizona was more impressive just because I got to see Case Cookus back on the field and he looked pretty damn good he did look good Casey let's get your 10 second thoughts on on how much you loved watching that lumberjack win well, I'm going to be not my normal self. First off, I didn't watch the Grizz game, so I can't comment on that. However, um, I was surprised with how well the defense of NAU did, but I will say that I am a little worried 
with how long it took the offense to get going. Yeah, once they got going, though, they were they were cooking. Um, they were cooking. cooking. I watched. Yeah, what they score in four straight possessions. Yes. Yeah, it was it was fun having that game on Thursday night. I wish we had a Thursday night game every week. Uh, last question from around the league: Troy Anderson, the former starting quarterback, now starting linebacker for the Montana State Bobcats, played on both sides of the ball. On defense, he had four tackles. On offense, he had one rush for zero yards and threw two passes for seven yards. Are you happy with how Coach Choate is using Troy Anderson? Nate, what do you think? I am. I mean, I think he didn't want to open up the playbook, obviously, against Texas Tech. It was kind of a – you know going in there you're going to lose. You don't want to show too much. You know, I think he was just trying to get him – comfortable with being able to play both ways. And you also try and try and spread out the defense a little bit. When you put Troy on the field, no matter what team you're playing, they know who Troy Anderson is. And even if some people on this podcast don't exactly know who he is, every team that they play knows who he is. So when you put him on the field, they are going to have their eyes on him, which I think they're just trying to open it up a little bit more. Uh, he had that one rush for zero yards, but he did get a 10 yard, 12 yard uh, rush taken back by a holding penalty. But you know, I, it, it's harder to watch on, how he's doing on defense just because when it's on TV, you can't see the linebackers on every play. I'm happy with how they used him though. He got out of there without getting hurt. And uh, I'm just really excited again to see it on a, against an FCS team coming up. Luke, even though you're a Grizz fan, you've had a bit of a man crush on Troy Anderson. Are do you think that Jeff Choate is using him correctly? Yeah, I think Choate's doing the right thing. He needs, needs to make sure Anderson has some reps in case Bonham gets hurt or in case they just want to surprise a team with a weird series. Um, but as Choate further develops Boban, I think, um, I think that gives Troy Anderson to develop on the defensive side of the ball. Ultimately, you got Anderson, who's this NFL caliber athlete, but there's a ceiling with Anderson at quarterback. So putting him at linebacker is the right move forward, and trying to get Bomer give Bomer a chance is the right thing. Yeah, no, Ballman. He he looked uh, off and on, and that actually gets us into kind of our next segment. Uh, we're going to drill down on each of your teams. Uh, looks like Jerry is still tabulating the scores from round one. Um, but drilling down on the teams, Nate, I want to start with you on, and we'll stick with the Bobcats. Montana State had 15 possessions against Tex- Texas Tech uh, and had trouble moving the ball. Granted, it was against a very, very good defense. On nine of their 15 possessions, uh, it ended on a three and out. Uh, on the other hand, though, Montana State did not turn over the ball a single time. Are you more excited about the ball protection that Montana straight demonstrated or frustrated by the lack of movement on Saturday? I mean, that's a, that's an easy question. It has to be, you're more excited about the ball protection. MSU finished, I think plus 10 in turnovers last year. They know how to hang on to the ball. And then you have this, you know, you have Bauman making his first start and he doesn't throw a pick. He doesn't, you know, fumble the ball in any sacks. He held onto the ball. I mean, we, we have to be real and honest with it, though, is some of those passes wouldn't have been able to be intercepted because they were in the dirt or they were, you know, he overthrew Anderson on a play. So there were some accuracy issues that even the defense probably wasn't going to be able to, you know, intercept the ball. But you can't be frustrated by the lack of movement. This is a Big 12 defense. Uh, it's a better defense than they were last year bringing in the Utah State uh, coaching staff. So, you know, they had some short yardage third downs where, you know, if Troy was in there last year, he probably would have got him. Bauman's going to have to work on getting those short short first downs or giving the ball to Afonso for him to get him. So I think it was more about, I was excited about that ball protection. I really was not worried about the lack of movement. It happened against Wazoo uh, two years ago. It's going to happen every time they play up. So the ball protection was awesome. 
Yeah. Uh, Big Sky Podcast Network, one thing that we are putting out every week is a new power rankings. It's being put together by our very own Brian Marceau of the Tubs at the Club podcast. Everyone involved in Big Sky Podcast Network gets a vote. And the rankings that came out this week, Eastern Washington dropped two spots from number one down to number three, falling behind UC Davis, the new number one in Weber State. Kyler, I know based on email traffic that you're not happy with this demotion, but tell us why you think that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, so so you guys can definitely call me a homer if you want. Um, but Walmart. I want to break down why I thought this was one of the worst voting decisions I've ever seen in my life. And guys, I'm an official <laughs> poll voter. So if you had Weber or UC Davis ranked ahead of Eastern in the preseason and you kept them ahead, I have no issues with Eastern being behind any of them. I really don't. But to drop a team who just played a team who would wreck both the teams Weber and UC Davis played is just absurd. You you know, University of Washington's defense is on par with Cal. They're both amazing. They're both way better than San Diego State. Yet Eastern's offense did just as good as UC Davis. The biggest difference is Washington's offense is way more explosive, has way more size, speed, and talent than Cal's or San Diego State. So to drop an FCS team after playing UW is just saying that all games should be viewed the same. And that's just ludicrous when you actually dive into the three FBS teams that were played. Also, the last two quick points, UW versus all FCS teams outside of Eastern in the last 20 years, the average score of the game has been 55-4, to 4, which is saying Eastern still did more versus UW than anyone else in the Big Sky or even the FCS has been capable, capable of doing. So, yeah, I just thought that was, that was dumb. I don't care if they're ahead of them as long as you had them ahead of Eastern to begin with. I don't care if Eastern is 7 in the power ratings as long as they started 7. You just can't mm. drop them down when they played a better team. You say you don't care, but it sure seems like you care. Uh, Who cares? <laughs> uh, one of the guys who's happy about how his team did, Casey, we've already talked about NAU a bit. We've already talked about Case Cookus and how good he looked once that offense got going. I want to think kind of bigger picture Big Sky Conference, especially for putting context for folks who don't follow the league as closely as we do. But where do you think Case Cookus ranks in terms of Big Sky quarterbacks? How good is he? Well, <clears throat> I have always thought that Case to be a top-tier quarterback in the Big Sky. And I truthfully agree that if he has another freshman-type year, that there's no doubt he would be number one. I like it, yeah. I mean, there. the thing about Cook is we met him at the Big Sky Media Days, and – not only is he a good quarterback, but he is just a really, really solid dude. I was busting his balls about when he got ejected from Washington Grizzly Stadium. He took it all in, in good favor. So it, it's a nice combination. We have this a lot of times in the league where the guy's awesome, but also really uh, likable guy. I think Cooper Cup's a great example of that. Uh, last drill down here, the, going to you, Luke, and the Grizz. Uh, obviously, we have been walking around with a little pep in our step this week. The, the nice win over at South Dakota. Dalton Sneed looked electric, put up more yards than anyone in the conference this week, and our receiving court looked as good as advertised. But I want to tell you, I want you to talk some sense into me and tell me why I shouldn't let this one game go to my head. Uh, well, before Grizz fans book their tickets. To Frisco, I think they've got two primary concerns to address. First is the offensive line. That position group struggled last year. They're older and wiser, really across the board, but I think they have a lot to prove still. Coach Houck has not has acknowledged as much and has worked to the, to address that deficiency, but he's only 
one year, one recruiting class in, and it takes time to rebuild an entire position group. The second is the second thing is tied to the first thing, and that is that UM hasn't demonstrated a reliable running game in many a season. Uh, last year, uh, we struggled, and this year we're returning the same starter, Adam Eastwood. He has a lot of strengths mm-hmm. that make me excited, um, especially in the pass protection dimension, but he's you know, kind of lackluster at times, and I think we're still looking for a guy there. So until the offensive line and running game are buttoned up, this team won't be as invulnerable as I'd like. All right, well, I'm still going to book my tickets to Frisco, but I may book refundable just in case that offensive line doesn't come together. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next segment, we're going to build our fantasy teams. But before we do that, we want to give a big shout-out and thanks to our sponsor, as we mentioned, Big Sky Big Takes is a joint production of Montana Mid Sports and the Big Sky Podcast Network, and we are proud to be sponsored by the store over at the Montana Mint. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for the Montana Mint. We just absolutely love them. Thanks for all they do for supporting Montana Mint Sports. Those of us from Montana or whoever been to Montana know one thing about fashion in the Big Sky, and that's if if any store or shirt designer makes a cool design. Every person in the state will be wearing it in just a few short months. I'm looking at you, T-shirt with home period after it and an outline of Montana and an outline of Montana of uh, with roots coming out of it hat. Everyone has one of these. This drove our guys over at the Montana Men's Store crazy, so they decided to do something about it, and now they're offering only limited runs of gear, everything produced at the Montana Men, everything that you buy, you can, be re- you can rest assured that only a small number of folks in the state are going to have that design and color combo, giving you a chance to stand out in the crowd. Check out all their gear today at montana-mint.com. Again, that's the Montana Mint store. Uh, all right, Fantasy Builder, we started this last week, uh, and it went pretty well. Big shout out to Brent Wahlberg for winning the very first Fantasy Builder. Uh uh, with 76 points, basically what we're going to do, go round by round where you have to pick a position, a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, and a flex player. Gives us an opportunity to talk about uh, some of the guys around the league and go from there to, uh, you know, we'll have somebody tallying the points, likely producer Jerry, uh, and posting them on Twitter. We'll give you a chance to vote on the best team. But starting it off, we'll start with quarterback. So everybody this round has to take a quarterback. Nate, you have the first pick. Who are you planning to take? I'm going to take my boy, Jake Mayermeyer. It hurts me not to take Case Cookies, but he's playing up uh, against Arizona, which may maybe not mean much this year, but I'm going Jake Mayermeyer. UC Davis taking on that weak-ass San Diego team. It's on the road, but it's in San Diego. Not going to be much of an atmosphere there. They're not going to feel like they're on the road. Jake Mayermeyer is my first pick. I like it. Casey, who do you got as your number two, the number two quarterback? Case Cookies. Yeah, <laughs> that's I knew it. I could have guessed that uh, 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 last week when I was putting this outline together. Case Cook is, even though he's going against FCS Arizona. Uh, n- number three pick. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Casey. Uh, I was going to say, I have more to say about that uh, game coming up because I think it's going to be something different. Oh, are you taking, are you telling our fans maybe they should put some money on Northern Arizona? I'm not saying that NAU is a guaranteed win, but I will say that it's going to be a lot closer than it has been. All right. Look, 
we're uh, I think I think everyone in the Big Sky roots for uh, the other Big Sky schools when they play up. So I think we can confidently say Sometimes. most of the, most of the conference will be uh, rooting rooting for you this weekend. Uh, the number three quarterback going to Luke. This is this is your pick. Who are you going to take? I'm going to take Eastern Washington's Eric Barrieri. Barrieri, yeah. Okay, number three. That's good, Luke. Uh, Kyler, who do you yeah. got at number four? Man, I was the last pick. I thought I was going to get stuck with like Davis Alexander or something. You guys left <laughs> Dalton Sneed on the board. What are you guys doing? They're playing a scrappy North Alabama team. But, I mean, this team is just one year away from being D2. They are not ready for Montana yet. Um, I, I just don't think they're ready for the atmosphere. Thanks a lot, guys. You left me Dalton Sneed. Dalton Sneed, the number one fantasy point getter last week. That is a steal of the round. Uh, and, Kyler, we're going to come back to you. So, round two, we're going to be drafting running backs. Who do you got number one this week? Guys, you guys might as well just stop playing. I'm going to pick Alonzo Gilliam, UC Davis. He did have a pretty respectable game against Cal, you know, last week, who has a very tough defense. He had almost 90 yards and a touchdown. Um, he also gets targeted every now and then as a receiver. Well, they're playing San Diego, who gave up almost 400 yards on the ground and 225 in the air. You can expect a field day out of him. Yeah, yeah, and I, I have a little more confidence in Davis's offense than I do in Cal Poly's. Luke, who are you going to take number two running backs? I'm going to take... ISU's Ty Flanagan. All right. I think uh, ISU is playing someone none of us have ever heard of, I'm sure, Western <laughs> Colorado University. And it's going to be like, I don't know, it's going to be a track meet for ISU. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't know who's going to get the ball. We don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be in that game, and it is coming up in two days. Uh, but, yeah, running back should be having a field day over Western Colorado. Number three pick in the round, Casey, which running back are you taking? I'm actually going to be taking Aramis Aldridge. He had a fantastic game on Thursday, but last year was unbelievable for him, and it was one of our breakouts for NAU. All right. Aldridge, number two. I, I'm seeing a theme developing here with your team. Uh, <laughs> hot take, Nate. Pick number four. Who do you got? I would have taken Cal Poly's Dwee Tran Sampson. He had 172 yards last week and two touchdowns, but they're playing Weber. He's not going to do anything against Weber, so I will go with my pick. Isaiah Infonse at home, Gold Rush, Montana State running back, going up against Southeast Missouri. Damn, Nate's team's coming together with Jake Mayermeyer and Infonse. Moving on to round three, everyone's drafting wide receiver. Number one pick goes to you, Casey. Hendricks Johnson. He is a freshman for NAU, but he was a top 5A best in Arizona recruit for NAU. All right. Uh, Number two pick, Kyler, who do you got? Well, I'm finally going to stick with an Eastern Washington guy and go with Andrew Boston, who had six catches and 112 yards and a touchdown against Washington. He's Eric's go-to wide receiver. Yeah, he should be able to do whatever he wants versus Lindenwood. So, yeah, prepare for a huge game. My team's stacked. (laughs) Jeez, guys, stat. Uh, Nate, who do you got for number three receiver? So number three, I have uh, Mitch Geller, Idaho State, Western Colorado coming into town. Not really too worried about that. Senior captain, so I'm going with Mitch Geller from Idaho State. 
Yeah, you got to take advantage of these Division Two. The Division uh, Two ones is where it's at. Matchups, uh, but you run the risk of uh, starters being pulled at some point during the game. For and sure. last pick, Luke. Who do you got for your receiver? I have University of Montana's Samuel Akem from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. This guy has been unstoppable uh, starting last year uh, to last week. So uh, I don't see a reason not to take this guy until someone stops him. Yeah, he's looked he's looked almost as good as you can get in the conference. Move it, and then the last round, this is our flex round, so you can take a wide receiver, running back, or tight end. Kyler, you have the number one pick. Perfect. Um, I'm actually going to take Anton Custer Jr., Eastern Washington's running back. First, Lindenwood, I just don't see them being able to stop him. He may leave in the second quarter, who knows, but it's a, just an easy matchup. Yeah, they could also have 40 points by the second quarter, all by him. Nate, who right. do you have uh, for your flex? Well, I had Antoine Custer Jr. written down, <laughs> but I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to pivot back to my third wide receiver, uh, Samori Torre from U of M. Samuel yeah. Kim was one I wanted to grab, but I'm going to go with uh, Toure. I'm not too proud to try and get some points on the board with some of these Grizz wide receivers. Uh, so, um, yeah, going with Toure. That's smart. That's just a smart decision. And Luke, who are you Thank taking you. Uh, with your flex? Whew, I kind of blacked out there for a minute. Did someone <laughs> pick Jeff Cotton from Idaho? No. Who? Then Jeff Cotton from <laughs> Idaho is my selection. Jeff Cotton, what, what? who is something I'll be asking uh, Hot Take Nate after he scores twice against Central Washington. What position is he? He's a wide receiver. <laughs> okay. He, who's throwing in the ball? Uh, Petrino? Yeah, the coach's son. Yeah. Well, Petrino's like coming off that. Me. I don't know. Petrino's coming off that hot game against Penn State where they only lost <laughs> pick, by 10,000 points. Um, Kyler, let's, uh, or sorry, Casey, let's, let's end, uh, the fantasy builder. Who's your last pick for flex? Brandon Porter. He is a fantastic wide receiver. That is the exact same play. He could be a quarterback. Awesome. All right. So we will post all these on, uh, the big sky podcast networks, Twitter account. You can go and vote. That's, uh, big sky podcasts at big sky podcasts on Twitter. And that is the end of Fantasy Builder. Looking at it, I, I, I think, Kyler, you might have it. I feel like you, you're taking advantage of a lot of these matchups. Um, but we'll see come Sunday. Uh, all right, I'm looking over. Jerry's given me the signal. He's tabulated the scores. Moving on to the finals. It is Hot Take Nate and Kyler Neal. Oh, yeah. Moving on Let's go. to round two. Very exciting. Bye, Jerry, Luke. thank you for your work. Uh, first question here. So we're going to ask four questions, uh, and then I will name a winner based on a very scientific method. Uh, all right, this week, question number one. This week in the Big Sky Conference versus FBS, we have Sacramento State at Arizona State. That's a Friday night game. NAU at Arizona and Northern Colorado is traveling to Washington State. Assuming that the FBS goes three and zero against us, Casey, I know you have you have thoughts otherwise. But assuming that the FBS wins, which margin of victory is going to be the smallest for the FBS school? And we'll start with you, Kyler. 
Yeah, so it's definitely not going to be Northern Colorado because Leach is kind of a D-bag and he will run up the score, but I love it. Um, and I don't have faith in Sac State over Arizona State. I think all three lose by fairly decent margins, but if I have to pick who's going to lose by the least, it's got to be NAU versus Arizona. All right, Nate, what do you think? I know we're supposed to be arguing in this segment and trying to win this thing, but it's definitely <laughs> NAU at Arizona. You know, Arizona lost to Hawaii. UNC is going to get the shit kicked out of them by Wazoo, and Sac State's a joke. So, you know, it's NAU-Arizona. Arizona wins, but NAU is going to keep it somewhat close. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to watching that game. I'm not as optimistic as Casey, but it is uh, a game that I'm certainly I'm going to keep my eye on. Uh, question number two this week, Portland State is playing Division Two. Simon Fraser. What is your favorite fact about Simon Fraser? Because I have a few of them. And we'll start with you, Nate. If it's the same Simon Fraser that I just Googled as we got to this segment, they're out of British Columbia, or is that a different Simon Fraser? No, it's that's the one. So that's my favorite thing about them. They're from Canada. Okay. What about you, Kyler? Yeah, so Simon Fraser's football stadium is actually named after a guy named Terry Fox, who was a Canadian athlete and cancer research activist. He actually, like in 1980, tried to do an East Coast to West Coast Canadian run. And after running 100, and by the way, he only had one leg because it was amputated due to cancer. Uh, he ended up passing away during that run. But now to this day, now there's an annual Terry Fox cancer run, and it's the world's largest one-day fundraiser for cancer research. And it's brought in over... 750 million so i just thought that was pretty awesome that is pretty yeah. awesome that is pretty awesome but you definitely you both definitely missed the the best fact about them they are here's a few here's a few that that i have for you number one simon fraser is the only canadian school that plays in the ncaa uh for football number two uh they have there's another football team that plays in the canadian collegiate conference um in British Columbia, they play an annual game against each other and they flip stadiums every game. Depending on what stadium they're in depends on if they're using Canadian rules or American rules football. And if, my favorite fact, number three, this would have been guaranteed points, but their mascot is a uh, terrier dog wearing a kilt. Um, <laughs> so look it up. They the are a, the great, a great Wikipedia deep dive. Number three, this past weekend, we've already mentioned it, but Idaho lost to Penn State 79-7, uh, to seven, a 72-point loss. But they got paid $1.4 million. Was it worth it? Kyler, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a bad look, but let's be honest. I would do a lot of things for over a million dollars, and getting blown out on national <laughs> TV is not above my dignity. So it is absolutely worth it. <laughs> I take Nate. Was it worth it for, for the Vandals? 100% worth it. One, nobody in the Big Sky really cares about Idaho that much, so it wasn't <laughs> like it was an embarrassment to the Big Sky, and most people probably think that Idaho is still FBS, so it didn't do anything to the Big Sky. They got paid $1.4 million for it. That's a pretty good, um, you know, the athletic director, he doesn't care about it. He's loving that money in their coffers, so, you know, it looked bad on the ESPN bottom line, but who cares? It was an FCS, FBS game. A loss is the same loss as a 45-10 Montana State, uh, Texas Tech game. If you didn't see the score on the bottom, you'd just see that they're 0-1. 1.4 was definitely worth it. Yeah, well, I definitely noticed 79-7. Uh, last question, what is your game of the week? What game are you most excited to, to watch? And you cannot say your favorite team's uh, uh, game. We'll start with you, Nate. 
We already talked about Northern Arizona and Arizona, but if I'm going to go uh, FCS and FCS game, it's probably going to be UC Davis at San Diego. If Cal Poly can do what they did to San Diego, I think Jake Merrimeyer is going to have a field day. I think uh, we're going to see how good UC Davis can be. The other games don't really excite me much. Cal Poly Weber is going to be pretty low scoring, and I just don't see much fun happening there. So I just want to see the fireworks from uh, UC Davis offense coming out against San Diego. Yeah, that should be a fun one. Kyler, what about you? Yeah, this one's really easy. Two top 15 teams collide. Southeast Missouri State comes to Montana State. This game already has seeding implication on the line, and it's only week two. One of them will probably emerge as a top 10 team. The other one probably gets pushed outside the top 15. If you're a big Sky fan or an FCS fan as a whole, you're going to be paying attention to this game. All right, looking over at Jerry. He is uh, finishing up his calculations, and it's not a surprise. No doubt about it. Kyler Neal is our champion of the week. Let's end it, Kyler. You got you got yourself a few seconds here to talk about whatever you want. All right. Well, I could just troll all of you guys' teams for, you know, not being that competitive with us this decade, but I'm not gonna. Instead, I'm gonna talk about something that's <laughs> finally gonna happen. Eastern Washington in a couple days is about to reveal a project that could push their facilities from bottom level of the big sky to, you know, top tier behind the Montana's, I would say. Um, they're, they're basically going to the board and seeing if we can map out a fundraising campaign and look at the actual facilities that we're, um, that our architects are, um, you know, showing us. So I'm excited. I don't think it's going to be, you know, an 18, 20,000 seat stadium. I'd be happy with 15,000, but I mean, we've already been winning recruiting battles versus a lot of the top tier of the big sky in Mountain West. Having an actual real college football stadium and not some high school one is only going to help increase what Eastern's been able to build. So, guys, I'm excited. I'm I'm not going to be embarrassed by our stadium anymore. Um, We're not going anywhere. I'm excited, guys. All right. Well, we're waiting for something to improve there with that Eastern Washington Stadium. Kyler, why don't you tell everybody where they can uh, find you on Twitter and a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, for sure. So you guys can find my Twitter at Eagles Hour. Uh, This is a podcast dedicated to what I would say is mostly Eastern Washington athletics and probably whatever I want to vent about that day. The podcast typically comes out on Thursday, but I'm going to try my best to do it a little bit earlier. Um, Or you can find me on FCSFansNation.com and all of our social media affiliates. Awesome. And a runner-up, Hot Take Nate. We know they know where to find the podcast. It's in the Montana mainstream, but where can they find you on Twitter? Yep. So on Twitter, my handle is Minty Hot Takes. You can find me there. Probably the best uh, Twitter account um, associated with the Montana Mint. Uh, and definitely the best Twitter account associated with the Montana Mint that was on this podcast tonight. <laughs> well, definitely the best Twitter account associated with Montana State because it has not been suspended. Uh, then we're bottom two. Yet. Uh, Casey. Where can folks find you on Twitter, and where can they listen to your podcast? Definitely, I am at NAU Podcast on Twitter, and it's NAU and Big Sky Sports. Awesome. And number four on our list, the only reason he didn't make the finals is because I didn't want to be called a homer, and the Grizz Fan Pod has been blowing up. I'm so excited about how many people are downloading that show. That's it for Big Sky Big Takes. Uh, thanks, thanks to all of our panelists, and be sure to check everything we do out on the Big Sky uh, Network, Big Sky Podcast Network Twitter, which is uh, at Big Sky Podcast. Thank you, everybody. Whoa.
Good night.